We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. So Sue's News coming up in the next hour. Of course, Heather McDonald, senior fellow with the Manhattan Institute. Heather is always great on the uh, the race issues and policing. She's got a new book out called When Race Trumps Merit, How the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence, Destroys Beauty, and Threatens Lives. She will join us. That, that book's going to come out Monday, by the way, or at least available for a pre-order. She'll join us right around 425 here on 97.1 FM Talk. Let's talk a little bit about the vaccine and who got it right and who got it wrong. Uh, Robin Kerner uh, wrote a great piece that I thought was extremely balanced and really effective in communicating points that I like to kind of latch on to just because I'm not an anti-vaxxer, if you will. I have some deep regrets about uh, maybe even myself overselling this vaccine in the summer of 2021. However, the more important point right now is, you know, what happens in the future and I don't even know if we need to argue about who got it right or who got it wrong, but I think Robin makes some great points in this piece with the John Locke Institute. Robin Kerner, how are you? Thanks for coming on I am One well. FM Talk. Yeah, you frame this. Let me let me start this. You frame this around Scott Adams, who is the creator of Dilbert. I follow Scott on um, on Twitter. He's very pr- provocative on this particular issue. I will be honest. He's even confused me. I don't know if you've seen his feed today because he he's talked about this point he was trying to make when it comes to the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated. And your piece that I read is essentially a response to Scott Adams, right? It, it, is, a, it, it is a response to Scott Adams' uh, question, how did you all get it right, uh, you unvaccinated? And time will tell. Maybe it already has told whether he was sincere in that, whether he was, um, you know. Uh, but I took him at his word. I took him at face value when he first asked that question. Um, and whether he is sincere in that, whether he's trying to make some clever, subtle, um, you know, point, whether he's trolling us or whatever it is, doesn't really matter because I, I it was a great point. Yeah, I'm with me. you. Look, and I will tell you, I've spent a fair amount of time, and I'm not very smart, Robin, but I, I spent a fair amount of time trying to figure out exactly what his point was. And he kept telling people that it should be obvious, but it's not as obvious. But let's talk talk about what you wrote about. Your your first point here, I think, is interesting, and I never heard this, that some people have said that the vaccine was created in a hurry, and you, you say, well, that may or may not be true. Explain that. Well, a lot of work on mRNA and coronaviruses had been done in labs um, around the world, you know, before the thing hit. So this didn't completely come out of nowhere, even in the framing of, let's say, conventional sciences, science and con- the conventional narratives. Um, so, uh, so some work had been done. You know, there's a big lead time to generating a vaccine, and, and maybe in some sense, 80 or 90 percent of the science had been done on that. But obviously, it was rushed out at the end. Yes. Um, now, but, but the only reason I even mentioned that in my article 
is I don't need to know whether the whole thing was rushed or, or it mostly wasn't rushed. What, I, what is obvious, that, that the pertinent point is, it never underwent long-term testing. And that's the reason to be, uh, was the reason up front to be cautious. The when, fact that yeah, it wouldn't have gone, undergone long Right, and I agree with that. But so the one people are saying, look, we, we were all in this moment, and President Trump was, was in this to a certain extent, the you know initial stages of the pandemic as well. Well, we didn't know what the hell was going on because we were lied to about a lot of stuff, and we know that now. But people were scared. They were confused. We see people dying. We didn't want mom and dad and grandma and grandpa to die. So we kind of get sucked in on this stuff. Now, a lot of people were um, ostracized for saying, look, I'm young and healthy. I don't need to be forced to take the vaccine. And I think the forced nature of it is really where a lot of the focus has been and, and justifiably should be, right? Correct. No, I absolutely agree. And, and most of what I wrote, most of this article, is really looking at, at the nature of that forcing. Because most of that forcing worked practically because of the censorship um, of, uh, you know, uh, information that didn't suit the coercers, the government um, there were a lot of things about it that didn't pass the smell test, right? There was, it wasn't being handled right. There was a lot of claims made um, which were proved soon after those claims were made to be false. Did the people pushing the policy walk those claims back? Did they apologize? Did they retract them? No. Did the policies, did, exactly, did the policies change as the data changed? No. So all of this stuff was accumulating and it should have made anybody go, um, well, hold on a minute. Can we trust the source of these policies and the source of the information on which these policies is being based. And I'm saying no. Yeah. Well, and I have, you know, my, my only personal example of this is in the um, in the summer of 2021, when the vaccines were being rolled up, I was uh, tasked by our state. There was money that was going to pay people to spread the word about the vaccine. I um, I did that because I felt like the vaccine was going to help people. And what happened was, you remember, at first it was, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, right? I probably even mm. said something stupid like that, Robin. I mean, I have to confront my own ignorance at this point. But in the early part of August of that summer, I started sending, I've told this story a little bit, I started sending emails to someone who used to work here and was the person who was the sales rep that was representing the, um, the state who, you know, did the commercial buy for the vaccine. And I started mm. saying, look, I'm not comfortable with these talking points because they're not evolving. We, we know now that you can get the coronavirus if you've been vaccinated. So there was this resistance to changing the narrative when the narrative had to be changed, which was very problematic for me at the time. And Absolutely. I think that that sort of replicated itself throughout the country, you know, millionfold. No, you're exactly right. And I make that, that you know, that point. Um, yeah, I, I mean, all I can do is agree with you. I mean, the problem was, of course, once once um, folks had already started buying in, you've got the whole cognitive dissonance thing at play, right? Once people have kind of publicly to make, committed to a thing, just as a psychological matter, they are less likely to accept that the changing data and information make their previous statements wrong. Um, and we saw that, you know, and when it's just Joe Public, um, the average Joe, that's fine. But when it's the presidential Joe that's, that's pushing out these coercive policies, it's absolutely not fine because this is life and death. And, and, and our, you know, to put it um, in simple terms, the coercers 
will have been responsible for lifelong health issues and even death of some individuals. Yeah. And that needs to be faced. Yeah, well, it does need to be faced. And I think you can, and you make this point in your piece, Robin, that you, you could certainly make the case for those at high risk of, um, of illness, older people in particular. Let me ask this question. I'll frame it this way. Do you think it's possible, and I'm doubting even myself on this, but let me just kind of make it personally. Can you believe that the vaccine did save lives, that it helped a lot of people at the same time think that the force nature of it is ridiculous. Even a recent example, there's a kid that I'm working with, a young man who is my personal trainer at the Missouri Athletic Club right now, and he goes to school um, at night to SIU Edwardsville, which is across the river, not too far from St. Louis. Beautiful campus. But he can't even go to classes tomorrow if he's not updated on his COVID-19 shot. At this point, that's in the healthcare workers being forced to... Are, are we not? Is it not obvious at this point that that's nonsense? I guess to a lot of people, it's not. Yes, it's, it's beyond nonsense. It's approaching evil. Yeah. I mean, and frankly, I don't think anybody in a clear conscience can add their, the weight of their own moral agency to an organization, an institution, whatever it might be, that is doing that. I, I think you almost have a moral duty to, to leave. And I know that can be at great cost to people, jobs, as you say, education. I mean, it's a horrific situation we're being put in. But the only reason they can keep doing this is because they have enough compliance. This is a question of, it's one of those rare times that we face in our lives where your decision comes down to courage or compliance. Well, so we're at the point now, and I think about this from time to time because whatever else might come down the line, the level of trust in government, the level of trust in the CDC, I don't know if you can ever re- recapture that. Well, it was low anyway, probably. But at this point, there's so many questions. Yeah. You know, you don't even know what to believe, which is part of the problem. No, that's right. And I tell you what, if in the long run people are a lot more skeptical of these agencies, um, that might be the one small good that comes out of this nightmare. Be- because it's an absolute disgrace, a scientific disgrace. And I speak, I'm a, I'm a physicist by training, um, but it's a moral disgrace and a scientific disgrace. And the fact that they covered it up with, you know, moral and scientific platitudes. It's, it's just absolutely hypocritical and disgusting. I have no doubt that there are people, and I, I keep hearing stories that were affected by this vaccine and have very negative side effects, maybe obviously have even died. But also another question would be, can you hold the opinion that that's happening and not think that everybody that's dying at a young age is from the jab? Of course not. Look, <laughs> I, you, don't, you, you don't need to hold these absolutes. And, and you asked me earlier, I didn't actually give you an answer. Um, yeah, of course, it is possible that people who have comorbidities that have this jab, who might otherwise have died with COVID, didn't because they had the jab. Um, that's possible. But it could still also be true that once all this plays out in the long run, there are more deaths or at least more net harm from the jabs than um you know, then net, net positives. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And that's to be determined. And it's because that's true that the coercion is evil. Well, and that's because if you even if you just look at the numbers that can't lie, you, you got to a point last year in particular, I think a year ago, if you look at that, where the uh, the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated deaths were, were relatively close in some situations. Right. I mean, but you've got to be careful because obviously there were, you know, you have more um, vaccinated people than unvaccinated. So you've got to weigh all these numbers. So, look, the data is still coming in. Um, and and they're hard to interpret. But on data very, very early on, it was clear that the coercion, um, and certainly it was coercion you know, without informed consent because the information was suppressed, all of the relevant information, or much of it, um, that that was, well, that was a, an abuse of basic human rights. I mean, it's simple. Robin, who can look in 
to this and, and maybe get answers because it's it's hard to trust anyone. What do you hope you know, happens here? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, and, and I was talking about this uh, with some colleagues today. You know, the fundamental problem is too much trust has been put in uh, the wrong people by too many other people. Um, you know, what you were saying earlier about not trusting agencies, uh, you know, let, let's hope that's the case. I mean, th- this isn't an easy answer, but the truth is nobody is going to care for you better than you are. So you may not be a scientist. You may not, you know, have you know, knowledge of statistics. But when your life is on the line, when somebody is asking to put something in your body, just basic due diligence and common sense means you've got to give it your best shot. Don't just trust the experts, because even scientists, um, their reasoning becomes motivated when what they're doing becomes politicized. And I have never in my life, uh, maybe with the exception of HIV, um, seen a disease, you know, some clinical or epidemiological issue becomes so politicized. So you, all of your red lights should be flashing and you've got to do your own work and you've got to trust your own instinct. And you know what? You may get it wrong. But if you're going to get it wrong, get it wrong yourself. Don't let somebody else get it wrong for you. Great advice. Robin Kerner, uh, who is currently the academic dean of the John Locke Institute. And for whatever reason, it's just the way that it is in the world, uh, in this country. These interviews always sound better with a British accent, Robin. So I appreciate that as well. (laughs) Thank (laughs) Thank you. Have a great week. We'll see you. Take care. Absolutely. You take care, too. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.